Leafs Nation. Well, the Leafs hit the little red button today, and it's <laughs> been an absolute crap storm. We will get there. We'll get into Dubis, Shanny, Spezza, the Leafs brass, players. There's been some rumblings. Matthews, the core four, and who or what now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But before we get there, we are proudly brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Check out their puck off Lagerdale. It's the absolute big beer for the big summer that is to come for the Maple Leafs. Um, also, a little tidy bit of housekeeping here. Offside Hockey Talk. A little bit of proudly uh, going to be teaming up with the Hockey Podcast Network. Nice. So that is Love be it. something that is coming. We are going to have some fun with that. Um, so that will be an official announcement this week. Um, the ink is drying on the contracts as we speak, as they say. So let's Love go, it. let's go, let's go. Um, but Clark Monroe, the reason why we're here is what's on our hat. It is the Toronto Maple Leafs making a whole lot of waves this week. Let's get into it with Kyle Dubas first. So a lot of people think that he kind of shot himself in the foot. You put out the video as well with Chris Johnson, you know, asking that question that may have just sealed the fate of one Kyle Dubas. But here's the thing that I have a problem with. This should be no new information to Brendan Shanahan and the Leafs brass. This is something that he admittedly said today, and we'll get into Shanahan's press conference in a moment, but we're going to talk about the fact that he knew what Dubas was going to say. He knew this was coming, but he didn't want him to take it public. So what does it matter if he did or didn't? That makes no sense to me. You know his feelings, but we'll get there in a moment. So Dubas does that. It sends rumbles and shockwaves through everything. I don't know about you, Clark, but whenever I make a big decision and being the general manager of one of the heaviest hockey hotbeds, I know Montreal fans are going to say, wait a minute, what about us? But when you are that GM and the media is what it is, and you guys all joke about it every single day, TSN, the Toronto Sports Network, Sportsnet, all you do is cover the Leafs, jam it down our throat. So, yeah, those chickens have come home to roost. Kyle Dubas wanted time to figure out what he was going to do, talk to his family, walk through the motions, which, to me, at the end of a season when you have no contract, you've earned that right. Now, I don't like the optics of today, but I want to know your feelings on Kyle Dubas, what he did on Monday, and does that make you feel nervous or any type of way, you know, with Kyle Dubas being at the helm of the Maple Leafs, which sounded like he was going to come back. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, congrats on the Hockey Podcast Network. I've worked with them in the past. They're great guys and uh, can't wait to see what comes of that. That's exciting news. Second of all, my dad says he's a fan. Uh, just um, live streaming on a, on over on the old TikTok. And he, uh, I just wanted to make sure I got that in there before I forgot. What's up, uh, Papa Clark? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm on the Offside Hockey Talk podcast for anybody who's, who's uh, you know, going in between. Offside Hockey Talk join us anyways you're here we're here what a day um this week has been pretty much a whirlwind james i mean um i went dark over on tiktok and i was i was making about a video a day over there for a while there and especially during the playoffs um and i just didn't know what to say especially because uh right after they lost obviously to florida there was a lot of question marks we had no answers to things there was some uncertainty about some stuff and that is all obviously come to a head today um what a day it has been what a changing day it has been and it all has started now with Kyle Dubas of course and it's trickled down already but it's probably going to trickle down more um you mentioned it earlier we could probably do a six hour expose on Brendan Shanahan's timeline that he went through during his press conference today uh wild wild stuff in that timeline um just listening to it i had to like rewind it a couple of times because i'm like did he just say that like <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, it seemed now here's the other thing i read a couple of tweets as well kind of right you know live tweeting the press conference and yeah a couple of things to really keep in mind here is that was an entirely one-sided timeline that was all brendan shanahan's recollection and his timeline that doesn't necessarily paint both sides of the picture or three yeah. sides, depending on how you look at it. There's always three sides to the truth, right? 
there's the right, there's the wrong, and there's the in between, or there's the there's the uh, yeah. whatever. So your side, my side, and what's in the middle? Yeah, exactly. So that's that only paints half the picture at least, or thirty three percent. But um, from his perspective, I found it very very interesting how he painted the picture that you know all throughout this whole process, he was very supportive of Kyle Dubas, very supportive, very supportive very uh, understanding of what he was going through uh i've been there my I, you know my family's the same way we're it's a it's a tough business it's a tough business but then he explained it publicly and i couldn't handle it and that to me was the whole thing is he spent whatever it was three four five minutes saying how much he supported kyle and understood his problems and they were talking about it all the way throughout but he took it public james public and he made this. He made sure to say public, very emphatically. Uh, so to me, and, and you know, everybody's you know trying to pinpoint certain details of that press conference. That was the one that stood out the most to me was the fact that Monday's press conference changed his mind, and that bothers me as a as a guy. You said it earlier, the president of a team as large, an organization, a franchise as large as this one decided on a press conference answer that this wasn't happening anymore. I'm going to change my mind entirely on the drive home from this work day. And that was the, that was a turning point. Now, obviously there's other things that came up. He asked for more money. I understand that, but we, in our group chat today, that's, that's how you negotiate. Like if you're going to come to a negotiation table, you ask for more money then. And, and by the sounds of it, they hadn't had much conversation about the actual dollar figure a whole lot leading up to that. Maybe there was something on the table, but it didn't sound like there was much back and forth on the dollar figure until, what was it, Thursday night, I guess, when his agent, Kyle Dubas' agent, sent over the counter proposal that everyone's talking about, that they wanted all this, you know, same amount of money as Brendan Shanahan or whatever it was. And they basically said, kick rocks. Um, but well, that's let me touch on that for one second. You you have a guy who's asking for, you know, what do you do in a negotiation? You go to the farthest point first, and then you allow them to work it back to get to the money. Now, for me, I think he asked for that much money because he knew he wasn't going to get autonomy. He knew he wasn't going to be able to get that full power, which to me is, is just bullcrap. To me, well, that whole thing is bullcrap. Because I'll, I'll let me, I'll let you, you finish too, that. James. But I think with with that too, and and we maybe we can get back to this. But that raises more questions to me than answers. Uh, the fact that he wanted more autonomy. So what was he being held back from doing then? Like I'm very curious. That that leads to a whole another rabbit hole. That's probably another podcast. But anyways, continue. <laughs> well, just to, to me that 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 that's a problem right there. Like you just yeah. said, that's what I'm alluding to here is. You're the general manager. You put me in this position to build this team, run this team, make moves as I see fit to make this work. You know, and they've always been Kyle Dubas, you know, diverse hires, Haley Wickenheiser does this, all these different things, initiatives, everything he brings into the Toronto Maple Leafs. So what is it that they are not allowing him to do? And to me, I really do think with Bell and Rogers being at the helm, hello, big telecoms, they want those juicy cash cows in the lineup, the Matthews, the Nylanders, the Marners, the Tavares, even the Rileys, because they sell jerseys, they sell advertising, they sell, 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 and that's all they see. And for me, maybe Kyle Dubas was about to say, we're moving one of these guys, and it may not be the one you like. And where he wanted the autonomy was to be able to make those moves and not have to go, hey, Brendan, can you call Larry and the board to make sure that I can make this move? Because when you have a deal at hand, sometimes it has to be strike while the iron's hot. Because by the time Bell and Rogers and Larry Tannenbaum get back to Shanahan, who then gets back to Kyle, things can go cold very quickly, as we know. So oh, maybe yeah. he was just tired of that runaround where he's like, I want to be able to just do what I need to do here and get it done. And Maybe asking for that much more money was to put up with that shit, to put up with those problems and to have to do those phone calls and run around because that would be stressful. That would be annoying because you're trying to show other GMs I'm in control, but no, it's, Hey, let me call daddy Shanny. Who's got to call grandpa and Larry 
who's got to call the rest of his friends, which makes it crappy for the guy who's trying to run the team and show everyone I have the steel brass nuts to run this shit. Yeah. It makes me, it, it makes me mad. Yeah, it, I just <clears throat> it, it's just an interesting way that it was all handled. And again, hearing Shanahan's timeline brings to light a lot, but I think it also brings a lot more questions. And then from here, now I've seen some comments over here on my TikTok stream that say we're we're worshiping Dubis and whatever else. This isn't about at this point now. You know what? I'm 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 past it now. I'm a Leafs fan. We got to figure out what's coming next. And maybe we're not quite there yet, James. But at the same time, I, I'm looking at who's the next guy going to be and what kind of deal is he going to have to put up with? Well, because yeah, if Dubis was dealing with it. If if Dubis was dealing with it, then then whoever the next person is is going to also have to deal with it. So that's where we're getting at here. It's not that we're saying that Kyle Dubis was screwed in this whole situation. We're trying to figure out how this Leafs organization is being run, and is this the best way to run it at this point? Like that's where we're at. Like that's it, it's been a very uh, eye-opening day in terms of how I thought things were going, and it's it, you know it's changed the way I look at it as well, and. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation now, and I, I think we'll we'll get there too. Maybe this is the next thing, but is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Um, all these things kind of come up throughout the whole conversation as to whether or not, um, you know, this is good for the organization, bad for the organization, um, and, and what's going to come next for this team. I, I think there's a lot of questions coming up. No, I fully agree with you. Uh, I look at this and say for the – the Toronto Maple Leafs here now, we're not worshiping Dubis. I'm not worshiping Dubis. I'm not trying to figure out what's going on with Kyle Dubis. Um, that part is done. That deal is shut. The door is shut. Um, now we look forward to see what's going on. But what we want to do is we want to walk through each step and figure it out as we go because this is what happened this week. We got Dubis first and Shanny second. We had Keefe in there, but I'm not even worrying about Keefe right now. For me, I think he's a lame duck and he's gone. Sadly, I, I like what Keefe has brought to this squad, but we're not even going to touch on him because I really do think because Shanahan didn't even mention him in his entire press conference. He didn't even mention Sheldon Keefe. So for me, I look at it and say, okay, that part of the ship, I think, is sailed with Dubas. Let's get into the Shanny talk here. So for me, I look at Shanahan – and I think it's like this. And I made a video on TikTok about it. I really think he went after Dubas. I do. Talking about being there every day emotionally for him. And it kind of made me think of like a, a dad holding a kid's hand. You know, I'm there every day checking in, holding his hand, walking him through these emotions, doing all these things. All year long I was there, he kept saying. But also, how many times do you have to say in one press conference, that you were the one to let him go, not that he walked away. You know, yeah, I had to make the tough decision. Came up a lot. Yeah, I made the decision. It was my decision. I made the decision. You know, you know, are you trying to convince yourself, or are you trying to convince me? Because really, I think that you personally probably didn't make the decision. You probably didn't fire him. He probably balked at whatever you were offering, just as much as you balked, and you both walked away with your hands in your pockets, staring at the sky, but. For me, I don't know. I'm going to say this. I think Shanny's got to go too. I think Shanny needs to get out the door too. If you're scorched earthing it again, which is what they are, because now you have Spezza, who left before the press conference with Shanahan even happened, tendered his resignation, handed yep. that in like, see you later, I'm done. After the news of Dubas broke around the organization, many higher-ups within the organization not happy with what happened. Many coaches not happy. By the way, the entire Marley staff let go today. That's another thing that happened today, which is, wow, okay, keep it going. So Yeah, I've, I, I, going. on that, just really quick, I've heard that maybe that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, it sounds like that team was not – it underachieved. Apparently. Well, you know what? There's no problem with that. But I, I, uh, as it dovetails and pertains – to everything that's happening today, it's just another thing that you add to the layer. But then you start reading comments from certain people that are kind of in the know about the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, like you know the Chris Johnsons and the others, Mikey Stevens is of the world, who do have some inlets and inroads to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And um, yeah, again, 
Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. From what I hear, Matthews and Marner are not so happy. Do not like this. And here's the thing. Here's one one thing you could say. Maybe they need to make it uncomfortable there. Yeah. Here's the thing. I would have rather made it uncomfortable with Matthews on a four or five year extension. With (laughs) Nylander on a four or five year extension. I would rather those deals be signed and knowing you're keeping these guys. Because now what Shani has to do is bring in a new GM who now has to basically fill a coaching position, run the draft that's coming up. Oh, and by the way, you have your core four players who are about to have no movement clauses all kick in at the same time, but you have to make sure that two of them sign extensions or are interested in signing an extension before those kick in. Otherwise, you lose all the power. Well, that's exactly it. And that's that's the biggest thing in this all for me is that um, I don't know how much quicker they could have done it. Like they really couldn't have done it much quicker, but you know, there's some really important times coming up. And and the biggest one for me, like you said, is basically by July 1st, they have to make a decision whether Austin Matthews, former MVP. Uh, and even though, you know, he didn't have a great second round, I'm not going to defend him in that regard. He had a really good first round. Let's be honest. He had a great round against Tampa Bay. He scored some big goals. He did his job in the first round. Didn't work out in the second round. You know what? I think Austin Matthews jammed his rifts when he fought. Oh, there was there has to be something there for sure. There's something there. Uh, But to he's still regardless, he's still your one of your franchise centerpieces. He's a former MVP, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, He was. And then Nylander, 40 goal score. You know, he's getting better and better. He as much as people hate to love William Nylander. He had a really solid second round outside of a couple of mistakes, which everybody else also made. He had a really solid second round. He scored one of the biggest goals in that round in order to give them a chance to stay alive, whether yep. it paid off or not. He still scored it. Um, and he had a really, you know, an interesting first round against Tampa, you might say. But like I said, outside of a few mistakes, I think he had a really solid round uh, playoff series. Uh, both of them playoff run, I should say. Uh, and even then, he's a 40-goal scorer now, and he's proven that he can do that. And I still think he's evolving his game. I still think he's gotten better over the years defensively. Now, in saying that, now I'm, I'm just praising these players. They they have to decide whether they're keeping him or not. If you're gonna if you're gonna go past July 1st with either of those guys without an extension or a trade, then what? Then then you have no then you have no certainty whatsoever in you know what everyone loves to talk about is how much they get paid in about 25% of your salary cap. You have almost no certainty on whether those guys are coming back or not. So you're just, you're just asking for more more and more drama throughout the year. You're asking for other players to feel uncomfortable and uncertain about their futures with the team. It's just going to get worse and worse. And so essentially let's just say, for example, it's Brad tree living. Okay. Let's say it's Brad tree living just for example, he comes in and they don't hire him until what the end of next week. Probably it's probably going to take a week at least for an interview process of this magnitude. It's going to take at least a week, maybe two weeks. So you're talking now the end of May. He's got one month to not only a, you know familiarize himself with the entire organization, talk, but also talk to Austin Matthews, talk to William Elander, talk to their agents, plan an entire draft, and sign, either sign an extension or make some of the biggest trades in this franchise's history. And I saw a great tweet. I think, I don't know if it was Mike Stevens or if it was, you know, Rachel Dory or whoever it was on Twitter, but they basically said, if, if it is Brad tree living and he comes in and his first task is trading one of those guys and he turns out to do the same thing he did with the Matthew Kachuk trade in Calgary, he's made two of the most lopsided in the bad, in a bad way trades. He could potentially have two of the most unlopsided trades in recent history in the NHL under his belt on two different organizations in one calendar year. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It, that's, that's just all speculation that if it's Brad tree leaving, of course, but I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy time. And the, the general manager has a lot on his plate and two massive decisions along with an entire draft, an entire free agency plan, an entire re-signing period, an entire, you know, everything. There's a lot going on in this next month and a bit. So it's a tough time right now. And I can't imagine that Brendan Shanahan is like happy about any of this. I can't imagine that this is the way he wanted any of this to go. Um, and, you know, here's hoping Brandon Pridham can pick up the slack for a couple of weeks. 
Listen, Brandon Pridham is a guy they want to keep. Um, all the cap shenanigans and all the stuff that the Leafs, you know, have manipulated and other teams have followed suit on is because of Brandon Pridham. And there's a reason why Calgary wants him and other teams want him as well. Um, I don't know, man. I just – it sucks. It absolutely sucks because for the first time, the Leafs do another leafy thing. But for the first time, I'm like, man, why? Why? You could have just left it alone, let it breathe. Because you know what happened? The Toronto Maple Leafs had their, literally, I don't care what anybody says about this, had their most successful season since the early 2000s, making it to the second round. And what do they go and do? They just, boom, just drop a bomb and say, nah, nah, no, you know what? doesn't matter if we made it to the second round. doesn't matter. And none of that matters that we had a little bit of growth here. doesn't matter. We're just going to blow it all up, throw it all out the window and figure something else out. Yeah, but the the other thing that really bothers me about that, James, is mm-hmm. it wasn't just that because the all the all the reports out there are that after the Tampa series, they were ready to extend Dubis that day. They were ready and to extend was, him at the trade deadline. Exactly. That's what Shanahan did say. That he he said in the press conference that he the the trade deadline went so well that he was ready to do it then, uh, and then after one quote. That changes, and that just bothers me a lot. And it's not about Dubis. Um, it's not saying that we should have kept them at this point. It's a very, very questionable way to make a decision of this magnitude, off of basically Kyle Dubis getting asked a blunt question by Chris Johnston and giving a blunt answer and giving a somewhat yeah pretty blunt answer. But the answer was, you know, this is a very stressful season. This is a very stressful year on myself, but also my family. I need to take time to talk to them and figure some stuff out now. I did see a clip from Nick Kiprios that made me think a little bit. And, you know, Nick Kiprios is a very love-hate person in this in this media landscape yep. uh, because he does say a lot of stuff that, you know, sometimes comes off the wrong way or he says it wrong or um, it gets proven wrong. I, hello, William Nylander for Nick Ritchie back in the day. Actually, Brandon Montour was a part of that too, and that, that would look pretty good now. <laughs> but but that's beside the point. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. Um, he said he didn't like, and I, I actually, you know, I can see his perspective on this. He didn't like how Kyle Dubas brought his family into this to make them seem as if they were pawns in this, in this whole scenario. Basically saying, like, my wife and kids aren't happy, so give me more money. Like, I actually kind I kind of understand where he's coming from and why he didn't like that uh, or why you could perceive that as not a very good thing to do, ethical thing to do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just a very, very weird timeline. And uh, it. I think, again, I said it earlier, but it just raises more questions for me than anything. Okay, but at the same time, everyone says that. Whether they're facing retirement, resigning, yeah. UFA... Every person says, I need to go talk to my family and see what happens. All Kyle Dubas did was take it to the next level and just say, you know what? This is such a pressure-packed place, and everyone has an opinion. And But the problem for me is, where I am a younger general manager, which he is, he has kids in school. His wife is out whatever. Grandma Doobie for crying out loud. By the way... She said, no way, you're not keeping me. Yeah, she tweeted a bit today, and I was a little sad by that. (laughs) Yeah, she was not happy. But uh, I look at it like this, and I say, I I laud him for coming out and say these things. Those are things we want to hear. We ask for those opinions. Because if Kyle Dubas simply just said, you know, I need to take time, reflect, then we'd be like, reflect on what? What are you reflecting on? Do you want to be the GM? Do you like this team? Do you like the city? What is it that you need to reflect on? We would ask those questions amongst ourselves and not know the answer. But instead, he gave us the answer, and everyone's like, well, you know what? He's weak. He's weak. He's too soft. Oh, you can't let social media get to you. You can't let it get to you. I'll tell you what. Social media kicked my ass during the playoffs. People talking about my appearance, my weight, all that different stuff, right on the lives, right on TikTok Live. And I didn't bother going during the best part of the year doing any more lives during the playoffs because of it. Yeah. So yeah, social media and all that crap. And I'm way the hell down here. 
Doesn't I'm not even. Yeah, so like it's pretty even. I don't know. (laughs) Well, but I'm just saying that affected me in that way. I can only imagine the magnitude of being under the microscope of having the actual media. Mm -hmm. Guys like Sid Sixero on a morning talk show calling you out every morning, Stephen A. Smith style. Then social media. Then getting it in public. Then your kids getting it, bringing it home. Your wife, your grandmother. Doesn't matter who it is. They're all bringing it back to you. And you know what? I get it. It's part of the gig. It's part and parcel of being a public figure. But at the same time, it does wear people down. And this was his contract year. He did everything he could to assemble the best roster we've seen in the playoffs in a very long time. Every player people were clamoring for, he went and got. The McCabe's, you wanted that guy. I want Ryan O'Reilly. I want Nola Chari. Boom. Off the checklist. Here we go. You want a speedy winger for down in the bottom six? Sam Lafferty. No problem. Here you go. You know, you want depth defenseman who can hit for days? Luke Shen. Here you go. Your nostalgia factor checking on in. He did everything everybody was asking for, and it still was not good enough. And I will tell you one thing right now. Anyone who says Joel Quinville is the answer for the Maple Leafs, pound fucking sand. That guy's a trash bag, and I don't want him anywhere near my team. I would not cheer for this team if Quinville was behind the bench. Wouldn't Yeah, you know, that's that's gonna come up and I I'm I wasn't sure how to approach that topic tonight because um obviously just conveniently the news about Joel Quinville happened to drop just moments after the announcement came out. Um that he was in the talks with the NHL to get reinstated as, you know, a potential candidate for coaching jobs. Uh, and then just shortly after that, of course, Stan Bowman was also reported as getting, you know, in his, into the reinstatement process. Well, um, Stan Bowman has the receipts to show that he has put in the work. Apparently, from what I, what I heard from Greg Wyshynski, who called out the Rogers Telecom today yeah. with Jeff Merrick, that... Quinville has no receipts. He hasn't done anything. He's not remorseful. He hasn't tried to figure out his wrongs and take the right steps to get back. So to me, yeah, I think in his mind, in in Quinville's mind, though, he probably doesn't think he really did much wrong. He he, the only thing he did was you know that internal thing, according to his mind. So I, I bet it's just a very different mindset. Stan Bowman had no choice. He was at the top of all of it, so he had to. Joel Quinville's probably taking the approach of you know I was a I was a mere shadow in this entire thing. I was I was barely a part of it. But, you know, there's there's just so many things. Now, this is going to be a very, very telling process, James. And if we can just kind of stay on this topic for a sec, it's going to be a very telling process of where this organization is at ethically and theoretically as a team. Because for years, this stuff didn't stand with this team. Uh, under Shanahan, none, nonetheless, this kind of – this type of hire – like if you look, remember when they hired? Was it the Leafs that hired that goalie coach? And it came out just a yeah. couple of days later that you know he had some really bad stuff on his social media, and they fired him. They got rid of him. They they squashed it um, because they didn't want that kind of stuff. So it, that Maple Leafs wouldn't go near Quenville right now. Wouldn't go near Stan Bowman right now. So it's going to be very telling. Uh, in this whole process, like when it comes out and when they release, you know, when the media people get a hold of who the coaching candidates are that they're interviewing and who the GM candidates are. That I'm going ahead and saying Sheldon Keefe's not coming back. Are we we all in agreement with this? Sheldon Keefe isn't coming back. I don't There's think no so chance. at all. He's got a one new year GM, left. new coach. Yeah, he's got one year left on his deal. There's no way that a new GM at this point is going to keep him. It's just that's the way it is. So for any of those people who are questioning you know, is Keith coming back? No, he's not coming back. There's no chance. He's he's gone. If he had, it was a longer term deal, like remember when uh, the Flames made their changes and Daryl Sutter had two whatever he had two years left or three years left on his deal, and there was talks that maybe he'll stay uh, because of that. This is a one year deal to Sheldon Keith. There is no ties to the next person whatsoever in this. He's gone. So I'm going to just go ahead and talk about who the next head coach is going to be and the process that that's going to entail. And to me, if if Joel Quenville is in that short list of names that, you know, the Darren Draggers or the Elliot Friedmans or whoever it is tweet out, and it's, you know, it's, uh, I'm just trying to think of some names here. Gerard Gallant and Peter Laviolette and Joel Quenville are in the final three. That is going to raise a lot of red flags, I think, with a, a lot of people in Leafs Nation, uh, mm-hmm. fan bases, sponsors, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, because... <laughs> 
I don't know how deep we need to go into this, but uh, Toronto and Leafs Nation, I think, is one of the more woke fan bases in the uh, in the league. I think, just given the where where Toronto is, there's a lot of you know people who are very progressively thinking, forward thinking, and to hire a guy who was right in the middle of the Kyle Beach scandal isn't going to sit well with a lot of people. And that goes the same for Stan Bowman. So to me, those two guys probably aren't going to be in this discussion. Might, might, might they be in Columbus discussion or like a, an Arizona discussion? Yeah, I could see that happening, but not in Toronto. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And for everything this organization has put forward as how they stand on certain topics over the last nine years under Brendan Shanahan specifically, I can't see it happening. Um, there's other candidates though, and and uh, I don't know how if we want to you know go too deep. I know a lot of people are saying in the comments over here, Bruce Boudreaux, you know guys like that. Um, I would I said earlier I would I would if Bruce Boudreaux is going to come in, assistant coach him. Like I think he'd be a really really good assistant coach if he if he wants to. Um, I don't know if he even wants to anymore, but uh, I think he would be able to do a great job as an assistant coach and kind of be that fun guy that the the players love. And then that hard ass can come in, whoever it happens to be as the head coach and do it, do whatever a head coach does. But, um, you know, there's a lot of options when it comes to those things. There are, there are, and it's going to be the, the GM that comes in first mm-hmm. and sets the table. So, I mean, yes, absolutely. Once that, once that name comes through, then you'll get a better idea of who he's affiliated with or she is, by the way, it could be either or um, and where the coaching staff may shake out to be. But for me, this team, you have to figure out immediately. GM, is Matthew staying? Is Nylander staying? That needs to be the immediate course. A coach you can hire over the summer. Or you go to Matthews, who is going to be your focal point for the next four to five years, who is one of the best players on the planet. Well, no, but if if you know he's resigning, then you go to him and say, what are we looking for in a coach here? What motivates you? What doesn't motivate you? You know, you want... Look at the Philadelphia Flyers. They're having everyone come to the table now, whether it's the coach, the players. It's up. You listen to him talk, the gentleman who owns Comcast or is a CEO, he wants everyone at the table so that everyone's on the same page and everyone works together. Well, great. So that means Matthew should be have a seat at the table, not to say what's going to happen, but to say, hey, this may not work with this group. This guy may not resonate, you know, because that's what happened with Badcock. These guys tuned him out and it was done. They may all like Sheldon Keith, but he's gone. So who's the next guy in there? Is it a new voice? Is it someone we don't know? You know, I don't know, man. Just the way this, this, the way this whole thing went down, <clears throat> the way that Brendan Shanahan basically said, the next GM, you know, needs to have a lot of experience. Like we need an experienced guy or a person, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in my comments are saying Haley Wickenheiser and, and some of those names. And that'd be, you know, that'd be great uh, at some point. But, you know, Haley Wickenheiser is very fresh. And I think, she, you know, she, she needs a lot of a lot of seasoning. Uh, yeah, that'll, I, come. Uh, that'll come. Also, I hope it comes with the Leafs. But get it right. It's Dr. Wickenheiser. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Dr. Wickenheiser. Um, I, I hope she's with the Leafs a long time and eventually maybe does become the GM, but she's r- like brand new in the role that she just got this year. So let's take it down on the Haley Wickenheiser because as Brendan Shanahan said, uh, mm. the next one that we get will, you know, a lot of experiences will be a very important asset or a very important quality or whatever he said. Um, so to me, that means, you know, the guy has to, or the person has to have been a GM at some point before um, that doesn't leave a whole lot of candidates. There's only a few out there, like unless he means somebody who's been an assistant GM for a while as well, because that's where Eric Tulski comes in. A lot of people yep. are throwing his name around with the Carolina Hurricanes. Really interesting option, um, kind of uh, an older version of what Kyle Dubas was when he was coming into the league, like kind of that whiz kid, uh, very smart, very forward thinking. I don't know if that's the direction they want to go in, though. By the sounds of it, they want, you know, Mark Hunter. Somebody like that, yeah. That and see, I, uh, I was listening to that be. But Brad Tree Living to me, Brad Tree Living would be a really interesting option. Now, hear me out because I know that everyone's like, "Well, 
They don't love how he did with the Flames, and I get that. But the Flames in Toronto are two very different markets. The Flames have way fewer resources to do what Toronto does. Uh, like, they're not even close. It's a whole different stratosphere. Uh, so if we look at how maybe, oh, well, Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau wanted out, that wasn't because of Brad Tree living. That was because of the situation that they were in in Calgary. And I think that's two very, very different things. And from everything that I've heard from, I'm going to just name names here, Peter Labardius out of Calgary, um, Ryan Leslie out of Calgary, there is so much respect for guys, a, a guy like Brad Tree Living in the league and from around what he did in Calgary. The respect levels were through the roof. So to me, I'm not saying that he's my favorite candidate of all time, but I actually I'm kind of talking myself into it as the day goes along that he might not be the worst. Um, and and remember, we were all praising Brad Tree Living as a guy who may have saved the Calgary Flames last summer. In hindsight, it didn't work out. But he was being put on a pedestal last year as one of the best GMs in the league because of the way he handled the Matthew Kachuk situation and et cetera, et cetera. He, he, you know, he turned that team back around after they were, they were really worried about it. Um, so that's not to say he's like the number one guy, but I don't think he's as bad of an option as maybe some people are thinking right now. And to add to that, I think I put it in the group chat, James, but um, Frank Cervalli came out and said that it sounds like the Flames might be rethinking their stance on letting him talk to teams in advance of his contract running out. Um, whereas before they were like, nope, June 30th, you can't talk to anybody. Um, but they might be softening on that and letting him talk. And of course, that also had to come out today of all days. Of course, you know, people, <clears throat> things happen on days like this, James. <laughs> so No, it, it definitely does. And I mean, I'll, I'll look at it like this and say Brad's living wouldn't be the worst option in the entire world. Um, you know, if and what's were in Calgary, it was the, the goaltending that wasn't the greatest. Um, the goal scoring wasn't on par. Jonathan Huberto wasn't Jonathan Huberto. You yeah. can factor in the Western Conference different playing, uh, playing with new teammates, not finding chemistry, injuries throughout the lineup. Uh, lots of different things that made that team underachieve. Um, and who knows, maybe they come out like gangbusters this season coming up. And, you know, Tribling can say, I set that table, much like Brian Burke did for Dave Notice that one year with Elise made the playoffs in 2013 and Brian Burke had the famous line of, I set the table for notice. So, you know, I let him enjoy it, I guess. But uh, I look at it like this and guys, I will say Mark Hunter is not going to be the answer here in Toronto. He is not going to be the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs as much as many want him to be. And here's the reason how stupid would Brendan, Brendan Shanahan look going <laughs> to Hunter now and saying, you know what? We wasted five years. You should have been the GM the whole time. How do you have that conversation and come off looking good to not only the fan base, but to your owners who put yeah. it in place? Also, like, also, Mark Hunter yeah. kind of seems like the guy, a type of guy who has a lot of pride and, you know, for good reason. Like he, he's had a, he's had a very, you know, storied career. He's done a lot in junior hockey. He's had a, you know, a lot of time in the NHL over his career Yep. And I think he was deeply hurt by the decision the Leafs made when they picked Kyle Dubas over him. I don't know necessarily that he would want to even come back to the Leafs if they did offer him the GM role at this point. I think he would give them the old uh, Irish salute, James. I think he would he would give them, you know, flip them a bird or two, um, just because I don't. I, I think he would. He wouldn't. He, the same way as Shanahan would look stupid. I think he would say, "No, screw you guys." Uh, you had your chance. I'm not doing it. I'm done. I'm not doing no, it. No, I, de I definitely think he would do the same thing. I think he'd be on the same wavelength as, you know, many of us sitting here right now. Like, what do you think? I'm stupid? Well, no. yeah. And somebody's saying money talks too, but he's making money hand over fist in London. Yeah, like, he's, he's doing, doing good for himself. There's a reason why the Hunters both left the NHL and went back. <laughs> yeah, they're they, doing very well. They, they're, not, uh, they're not worried. No. Um, I go into this situation, though, and I say – we are supposed to be, and it's so funny because we said this so many times, me and you, me and Dylan, me and Pete, our group chats, you know, when was this fan base the last time so cohesive and happy? It was when the Leafs were shit. Yeah. It was when all the pandemonium was hitting the fan and the horror chucks were here and oh. the Leafs couldn't do anything. You know, at least we knew where our team stood. Well, guys, guess what? We're very close to slipping in that direction. Very close a couple of wrong hires here or there 
could lead to you losing Austin Matthews or trading a Mitch Marner for pennies on the dollar because that's what happens sometimes when you do these trades. You do something as a new GM to make your stamp, to leave your mark when you're coming in, and that mark could be one of these guys are no longer here, but at the same time, you're not. You're never going to get the value for an Austin Matthews, a Mitch Marner, and I always go back to the same thing I talk about when you trade players like that. A, what are you getting back that supplants some of what you're losing, but what do you have in your system that adds to your team that you're bringing up that could add to that value, and there never is enough for a guy like that. Austin no. Matthews is one of the top 10 players in the world. I don't care what anyone says he is. When he's on, he is Austin Matthews. He's a, He was league MVP for a fucking reason. And, you know, William Nylander, he turned, he's, he's Kovalev. I don't care what anybody says. When he turns it on, you're not touching him. He's yeah. just a beast. He's a gronk. Mitch Marner, he led the least some, what, playoff scoring? You know, he disappeared a little bit. At the same time I say this, Mitch Marner, He's what the Leafs need for a playmaker. He is. But you need a, 100 you need points, a coach. 100 points, top penalty killer, and Selkie candidate. Yep. You need a coach, though, that pushes the right buttons. And yeah. that's where I'll get to Sheldon Keefe right here. In the playoffs, you had guys that were going. So your third line was going. Your fourth line was going. So why would you not try to mix and match some of those guys with some of your premier players. Throw them in there. Throw a Matthews in there on a shift just with two of that line and just try to let it run or put those guys up higher in the lineup. You know what line really worked that they used maybe once or twice? O'Reilly, Marner, and Matthews. (laughs) They had some buzz, man, but they never went back to it. They had some magic, but Sheldon Keefe was steadfast in trying to keep it the way it was. And... That's, that's burned them before, and it burned them again. Yeah. But they need a coach that will push the buttons. They need a coach that will actually get things rolling for this squad. Um, I love Keith. I love Dubis. I love I loved the comfortable feeling as a fan, knowing my GM would go and try to make every move he could to get this team to where it needed to be. Yeah. I love the fact that we had a coach that cared and wanted to try to figure it out. You know, they didn't get the results they wanted. So now we're all twisting in the wind, wondering what this team can do, wondering what it'll bring in, and wondering, really, who is going to go from this organization still to come. I fully already think Keith is gone, period. Yeah, he's, you know, he's gone. Like, I think we all need to just kind of accept that, and that's, that is what is, that's what it is. Uh, Keith is done. There's no chance. There's no chance that the next GM keeps him. He's on a one-year deal. It's just it's just not how it works. You never see it. You never see it. Um, so he's gone. So the candidates that are out there right now, I mean, you know, there's probably some people that I'm not thinking of top of my head, but Laviolette just got let go. Peter Laviolette. Um, Gerard Gallant is out there. I, we said Bruce Boudreaux. I don't know if Bruce Boudreaux even wants to coach anymore. He's up there. and He's older than we think he is. Like, he's how been around about how about this bench? Because the Leafs, the Leafs really can spend as much as they want in these departments. Oh yeah, for sure, and they're probably going to lose Spencer Carberry too. They are. So yes. So how about, about Gerard, Gerard Gallant as your head coach, the hard ass, Bruce Boudreaux as the talker, and then just go grab, I don't know, one other half decent uh, coach. Maybe even put Laviolette there. Have three head coaches out there, just <laughs> game planning the shit out of it. Somebody in the comments over on my side said, uh, bring in John Tortorella with Bruce Boudreaux. What a tandem that would be. Just the most polar opposites. It'd be hilarious. But listen, well, the other Gerard one too Gallant, is like, the other one too is Daryl Sutter. Like that's kind of scares no, me a little bit. That no. scares me. I'm just saying he's out there. I'm just no. saying he's out there. Gerard Gallant has a he's one of those coaches that for the first two years when he's somewhere, teams just super overperform under him. Yeah. Go gangbusters, go nuts. You look great, absolutely great. But I think his message wears off after the two years. I think Gerard Gallant might be the 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 answer here to get the most yeah. out of all of these guys. But that's the thing is is that with with what happened today and the lack of 
you know, direction that I, I feel for this team now. Like for the last five or six years, I felt like we all had a good sense of the vision and direction of where they were going. I thought they were still going in that direction and it wasn't done yet, but it's over now. So we got to start fresh. Like I wasn't anticipating that this summer, but here we are. So now the thing is, is that we won't really know what kind of coach they're looking for until we figure out who they're going to bring in for their GM. And then we can start to get a feel for the new direction of where that person wants to go. And one other thing I'll say earlier, you you were about what you were saying earlier um, is, you know, you were talking about a big decision coming up and, and uh, you know, some things that if they trade Marner, they trade Matthews, if they lose one of those trades, like that sets the team back five years. Essentially, because yep. this is Austin Matthews, like you said, top 10 player, like him or not, Mitch Marner, probably a top 20, 25 player in the league. Nylander, arguably, you can put him wherever you want. He's up there in that conversation for, I don't know, let's say top 50, 60. Uh, and John Tavares is no slouch. Like He was a point per game. And say what you want about him. He's not getting traded. For goodness sakes, he has a no movement clause. He's the captain of the team. He's not getting traded. Relax with the Tavares trades. Um, they can't trade him. It's not going to happen. Um, but you, if you trade those guys and you lose those trades or those trades go poorly, you're legitimately setting yourself back five years at least. Like These are 25, 26-year-old players who are award candidates. These are the guys you draft for. These are This is what you do in drafts. This is what you hope you get in drafts. And we've, you know, we've developed them to a point where they're now at that status. And to just dump them off because we're all grumpy, that's not good like that's just not good like as much as as much as you guys want to trade everybody right now because we're not happy like that's just not how you do it like this is why you draft these guys to get these types of players and if you trade them for a, I don't know there's so many like chris Kreider and freaking barclay goudreau uh that's not that's you're getting worse objectively worse uh Rick, say what you want about how Kreider plays in the playoffs or how Goudreau plays in the playoffs, if that was what the trade was, I'm not saying that's what it would be. I saw somebody say Panarin. I saw somebody say, <laughs> yeah. you know, stuff like that. The Rangers seem to be a very big focus in all these trade talks for some reason. But I think the one trade I saw was Panarin and, and Capo Caco, along with a couple of draft picks for Mitch Marner. And, you know, just to break that down really quick and how I view that trade is Panarin is a five-year-old defensive, t- like way worse defensively than Marner is. <laughs> Yep. He's he's slowly de- decreasing his offensive production, and like he's he's not he's not Mitch Marner. Like he's worse. He doesn't penalty kill. He doesn't do any of that stuff. Uh, and Capocacco has done nothing in his career to say that he's anywhere in the realm of of worth it for that trade. So to me, you're just getting worse. Like you say what you want. Maybe Panarin's a, he's a good player, but he is not as good as Mitch Marner. He just isn't. Like uh, say what you want, he isn't. Uh, he's not nearly as complete of a player as Mitch Marner is. Um, uh, so anyways, like just if you lose that trade and you get an older player like an Artemi Panarin, for example, and that doesn't work out, uh, your team that you, you just blew up your team. And now we're now we're getting back to the point, James, that we were at in the late 2000s when Matt Sundin wouldn't accept a trade. And you're just waiting for the moment when your team starts to tank again. And that's why do we want to be there? Why do we why do we want that? I just feel like we we just set ourselves up for this sustainable success that we were working towards forever, and now everyone wants to tear it down and let's let's blow it up and be bad again. Why do we want that? Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I know that everyone's mad. I get it, um, but it just there's so many hot takes coming out right now that it, they're hot takes. Let's just leave it at that. They are hot takes, and here's the thing, okay. And one thing I just want to address to you: the chat room over on TikTok. We're doing a live podcast at the moment. Me and Clark Monroe. Uh, this is available live on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Uh, you can find it anywhere tomorrow as well. We're live on TikTok, basically just so it's another avenue for everyone to hear and see everything. When we're done the pod, we obviously will join in lives and talk with folks after that. So just letting you know that side of this. But um, and again, we are proudly brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Check out their puck off Loggerdale, the big beer for the big podcast. Now listen. For me, I look at this whole entire thing and I say, okay, you find your GM, you find your coach, then the moves start getting made. I think, in my heart of hearts, Matthews stays. I just do. I got a feeling Marner stays. Tavares stays. Nylander won't be back. 
No. I just got a weird feeling on Nylander. And I think he should be, by the way. Not saying that I don't, but I think a new GM comes in. Like I said earlier, they have to make a mark and they have to make a move. Well, I think, yeah. And the way I look at it too, and, and if you want to hear read a good article about William Nylander and, and the type of value he brings, uh, Rachel Dory has a, I know, friend of the show, Rachel Dory, friend of the show. Um, she has a really good article about <clears throat> William Nylander and why he's so valuable and why he's not the right one to trade. Um, and as much as I, uh, I totally get her perspective, I also think that he's the one that's probably going to ask for the biggest raise of all of them. Um, and when you're thinking of straight, when you're thinking of straight dollars in, dollars out, uh, if he's going to be asking for a $3 million raise and Austin Matthews is only going to be asking for a $2 million raise or Mitch Marner's asking for whatever he's at, I don't know what Mitch Marner's, that's two years away. We don't have to worry about that. But if you're talking about Austin Matthews compared to William Nylander, Nylander's probably asking for a bigger raise than Austin Matthews is asking for. Um, so when you think of that, Maybe you go to William Nylander, and, well, you don't have to because he doesn't have a no-move clause right now. He doesn't have a no-trade or anything, so you don't have to do anything to tell him anything. Um, but maybe you talk within the organization and say, we can probably maximize the value that we could get out of him now. He's, coming, he's just coming off a 40-goal season. You know, He scored some big goals in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. And I looked at a team, I, I said this very hypothetical trade scenario, and it, I could see something like this happening with – a St. Louis Blues. This is the team that I went to. Uh, and Braden Shen was the one that I first saw. Uh, you know how St. Louis, obviously they're they're going through a bit of a retool recently as well. Obviously moving Ryan O'Reilly. Who knows if he goes back there or not. Um, but they have that Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas group coming up. Uh, and they have a bunch of older guys around them. And Braden Shen's, in, you know, he's in his 30s now. Uh, which makes me feel old because me and him are basically the same age. Um, but... Uh, Braden Shen has cost certainty for five years. He's $6.5 million for five years. Um, he's, you know, a, a, he's won a cup before. He's been an important part of a cup team in the past. Uh, and he's the type of guy who, he's the type of guy that everyone in my comment section right now is talking about. <laughs> Yet when I say his name, everyone says, no, he's not good enough. He's not good enough. He's too old. He's not good enough anymore. That's the type of guy you're talking about. Like, who else are you going to get? That's the guy. Uh, there's there's no better option than that. So Lucky over here says he's you? a bit... Lucky over here says he's a bit better than Kerfoot. Shen? Yeah, a bit better than <laughs> okay, Kerfoot. Okay, okay, okay. Well, you know what? Lucky, Lucky than... knows his stuff, man. I'll give Lucky full I'll, credit on that. I'll take it. bit better than Kerfoot is an improvement. So that's good. <laughs> but are you really going to trade one of your best guys? No, no, no. Like I'm not saying four, straight but... up. But yeah. my, my, my proposition was you get Shen... Uh, and you get a guy like Jacob Verana, for example, just an example, uh, a guy who's on a cheaper deal. He performed well when he got back into the NHL. He scored 10 goals for the Blues at the end of the year there uh, when he came back. Obviously, he's going through a lot in his life. But if you got like a Shen, a Verana, and a, a first-round pick, which is the Leafs, by the way, they have the Leafs' first-round pick, and you get it back, that's the type of trade package we're looking at here. So what I'm asking here is, I'm not saying that's a good trade package. What I'm asking here is, if you don't think that's good, that's what they're getting. You don't win these trades. You, you don't, don't win, win the trade. Trades. Exactly. You're not going to get what you guys think. We're not getting Leon Dreisaitl. We're not getting Elias Pettersson. We're not getting these guys that is Trevor Zegris. Like, we're not getting these guys. It's not happening. So if, if you're not okay with the trade that I just put forward, then you're not okay trading one of the big four because that's what's coming back. That's what I'm trying to get at here is that it's not going to be a trade return that anyone's happy with. So the fact that we're all pushing this just bothers me so much because everyone thinks it's going to be better on the other side. The grass ain't always greener, James. That's what I'm trying to get at. Thank you for attending my TED Talk. <laughs> no, the grass isn't always greener. And trading these guys, again, we don't even know if it's going to happen. But at the same time, if a guy is to go, it is probably going to be Nylander, yeah. obviously because the Do-Re-Mi is going to be a little higher than they want it to be. Well, um, and you, if you do trade him to a team, and uh, just to finish my point there and add to what you just said, that team's probably going to be able to give Nylander the money that he probably wants to yes, or at, asking right for. There, so yep. that's part of it as well. Like he, you probably can't trade a Nylander without some sort of extension being agreed upon, because otherwise he's a one-year pawn. Like he's just he's just going to leave. So if if he doesn't get uh, an extension in place before he gets traded, that team's probably not going to take him. 
That's another part of all of this is that, you know, he doesn't have a no move clause, so the Leafs can do whatever they want. But a team probably wants the security that they're going to be able to re-sign these guys as well. Otherwise, they're not going to do it. Let's do this deal right here. Nylander and Robertson to the Ducks for Zegras. Straight up. Just do it. Two for one. (laughs) Well, I mean, Robertson, if you think about it, who knows what his value is right now? I have no idea. I, you know what? That is a deal that I would do. If you know, if you know you cannot resign William Nylander, and you have to sacrifice a member of the core four, and you can straddle along a Robertson and probably a pick in there as well, I would say the Ducks would want for probably. a young Degris type player who is and cheap. You know, yeah, yeah, and cheap. That would be, you know, why not? Why yeah. not? And again. All we're doing here is spitballing. All we're doing is having fun. It's what we do. Well, we're probably going to have a whole other episode of trade scenarios. Like that'll be in a couple of weeks. We're we're just getting into this. Like this is just starting. So, right. but what I'm saying it's is, all it's fresh, right? The the wound absolutely. the wound has just been ripped open by Brendan Shanahan, and there are many cuts within it. You look at the the Jason Spezza resignation today. That was one that told me a lot about the tone of what's yeah. going on around the Maple Leaf organization. Because a guy like Jason Spezza wanted to be there, wanted to learn, wanted to take it further and do things for the Maple Leafs because he wanted them to win. For him to tether his resignation without anyone telling him or you know writing on the wall or whatever, that said a lot to me. That said a very, very big thing to me. And now it is on Brendan Shanahan and maybe Brandon Pridham to write the ship and get some goodwill back in the Leafs organization. Mm-hmm. And that goodwill needs to start with the superstars you plan to build around. Whether that's Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, whoever it is, I don't think Matthews goes anywhere. My wife said she'll never watch a Maple Leaf game again if Marner goes because she loves the Zoomies. So, boy, yeah, that's fair. I him. get that. I totally get uh, that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy to me because I look at this and I say, okay, we are now at ground zero again. Pretty much. But this press conference wasn't like the other ground zero ones where they brought in Lamorello or they brought in Babcock or they switched to Dubas and Dubas got his teeth, you know, a year later. This is just Brendan Shanahan sitting there saying, basically, I don't have a coach. I don't have a GM. I don't know what's going to happen. It's on the new guy coming in to figure it out. I just wanted to tell you that these guys aren't going to be here. Well, you know? and on top of that, too, this feels different to me as well because they've averaged 106 points in the regular season over the last three or four years. Like, this isn't a team where we're looking at it as, wow, this is the – we just got Austin Matthews because we were the worst team in the league for the last four years, and it finally culminated in us winning a draft lottery. And there's a lot of excitement around the way this team is being built. And, oh, we're bringing in Lou Lamorello. Oh, that's really great because he's such an established guy and that's going to change the culture of the organization. And it did. I'm not saying anything bad about how Lou Lamorello started his regime in Toronto. Uh, We're going to bring in Mike Babcock, Stanley Cup champion coach. Oh, great. This is exciting. Like we have all this excitement building. This is like a big difference in terms of the vibe of what this press conference and what this decision makes because or means to this team because they're already established. And now it's like, Oh, okay. Uh, now what is, are they going to tear it down? Like we, we have no idea at this point if, if they plan on running it back to, for lack of a better term or tearing it down or blowing it up or adding to it. Like we, there's no direction The the press conference today did nothing for that. And in fairness, it won't until they hire somebody so that they can tell us what their thoughts are. But this is so much different. It's such a different feeling than the scorched earth press conferences of years gone by because they're an established team that is on the cusp, hypothetically, theoretically, they're on the cusp. Just so people don't get mad at me for saying that they're good for some reason. Um, Here's the thing, okay? The best statistical season the Toronto Maple Leafs ever had before Kyle Dubas, by the way, he was a part of the team still, was 105 points, okay? Kyle Dubas has helmed this team in the regular season to multiple record-breaking seasons. Also, a lot of people say that Kyle Dubas was scared to pull the trigger on deals, sign 204 players with a total contract value of $628 million. Yeah, drafted, that's a crazy number. 
drafted 44 players who played in the NHL and made 71 trades. Not a small number. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a lot of news coming out, a lot of things happening with the Maple Leafs in days to come. And we will be doing another show Sunday night. I'll say it here right now. We'll probably have Lucky on. Oh. He very well versed in the hockey world. So he will be there. Uh, Paul Hendricks is uh, hopefully going to be available. He That's is such a good time for him because I've always loved that guy. But his perspective on these types of things is it's second to none. I love hearing from him. So I can't wait to listen to Paul Henny. Paul Henny. Henny. Henny tweets. So we could be, uh, it'll be a nice stacked up kind of show with guests rotating in and out. Obviously, Clark, I'd love you to be a part of it. That's on you. If you'd like to be there, it will be a very fun show. But we are going to probably be going live with one another on TikTok when this episode is done. So if you want more Leafs talk and more fun, we will be there. But Clark, I always want to say you are like the unofficial fourth member of the show. Appreciate everything you do when you come on. I appreciate it, man. Um, Say we're, oh, and apparently it's not official yet. But Mike Bullard may also be joining the show Sunday night. Former 50-goal scorer and captor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, lucky dropping that tidbit in my chat here. So another name added to the Rasta for wow. Sunday night. Could be a good, good show. Uh, it's going to be like a really five-hour show. <laughs> good, good, good talking points and really uh, dig down deep on people that have been around the game for a long, long time. So yeah. we will check that out for sure. But ladies and gentlemen, as I always say on this show, This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.